Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James. I'm joined today by Mark Orders and Matthew Southcombe. The Lions Tour is officially underway and already it's officially in doubt. Boys, we're a weekend into the Lions Tour and we could not be further mired in in doubt and just uncertainty. Um, hopefully we're going to unpack a little bit of that in the next 20 minutes or so. But as opening weekends to Lions Tours go, this has been... This has been one for the history books, hasn't it, Matt? Yeah, it's been chaos. Um, you know, from from Saturday afternoon until now, it's just been one thing after the other. Obviously, the game uh, totally overshadowed by the uh, the injuries to to particularly Alan Wynn Jones, but also Justin Tipperick, um, which kind of went under the radar a little bit, uh, given everything that had happened with the the skipper. Um, and then, you know, we hear about the restrictions tightening in South Africa and, you know, now there's talk of the tour taking place in, in one place entirely. Um, you know, it's all up in the air at the moment. It's beginning to look a little bit like a, a bit of a misjudgment to press ahead with it in South Africa, if I'm honest, uh, particularly, you know, in light of the fact, as we discussed before we came on air, you know, that there's fans, fans in Wembley for the Euros, you know, leaves you wondering what perhaps could have been had it been held in the UK. You know, would that have been such a bad thing? I, mean, I would have probably gone for that myself anyway. I get the traditionalists and people saying that, you know, it's not a tour unless they, they actually tour, which I guess is fair enough. But, you know, it's looking like a really, it's going to be a really difficult tour now for anyone going out there, including yourself, Ben. <laughs> um, you know, with all these restrictions coming in and, all the rest of it and you know we're hearing now that players not involved in the match day squad are, are not allowed to go to to the stadium to watch so you know it, it just sounds like it's going to be a very difficult couple of weeks uh, in general yeah to the best of my knowledge the last midweek game is the 14th of July and then the final test is the 7th of August so that's Roughly three and a half weeks. If you're a midweek player who's not involved in the tests, that's three and a half weeks where you're not allowed to the stadium and you're largely just going to be following the curfew in your hotel. That's, I mean, we, we've seen a few players come back from Lions tours disgruntled about how they've been treated by coaches. You know, you think back 2005, 2001. Remember Mark Taylor wasn't thrilled on the Australia tour, but it pales in comparison to what some of these midweekers are going to go through, doesn't it? I think what you mentioned, though, Ben, that um, the players probably would have been asked, look, you know, th- th- this is what you're signing up for. Um, you know, will you be able to stomach it? You know, it's going to be it's, it's going to be a tour like no other. And um, it's going to be really, really difficult. And, you know, it's going to require huge kind of mental strength of all involved because you haven't got the, the the releases, if you like. I think we were talking earlier that alcohol, I think, has been banned. You know, if, if, you, if you're in the midweek team or whatever, you know, it um, does become just a, a little bit difficult to fill the time and stay engaged and, and stay occupied. And you also want to enjoy the trip as well. It's a, it's an opportunity of a lifetime visiting a sort of normal circumstances. It would be a wonderful country, but obviously, you know, we've got these um, exceptional. We're in an exceptional situation, really. And uh, I sort of uh, agree with Matt that uh, you sort of ask yourself, well, should the should the trip really be going ahead in in this form? Um, but we're so far down the road; it does seem a little bit improbable that um, that there'll be major changes now. Um, you know, they're, they're playing on Saturday and I think, you know, people just got to head out there and stay safe and, and, and basically suck it up for five weeks. I think sort of the descriptions I've heard is, you know, we, we, we were told yesterday, I think a lot of the journalists are flying out that contingencies are being looked at and I think it's very much contingencies on contingencies so the likeliest scenario I think at the minute is that the entire tour bar the opening game against the Emirates Lions on Saturday is moved to Cape Town beyond that it's possible then that certain warm-up games could be in doubt um, for starters two of them kick off at 8 o'clock and there's a 9pm in 
curfew in the country, so they had to change. Um, unless, you know, we were all going to get felt up by police leaving the stadium and, and collared, which I don't fancy, but it's 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 such a fast-moving situation. I think you can't rule anything out at this stage. I know that we are days away from the opening match in South Africa, but I know South Africa have had three positive cases yesterday in their squad. They've um, they've cancelled their press today for for meetings. Um, and there's the optics of pushing ahead with a rugby tour when the situation is so grave in the country, sort of balanced against the financial implications. Because cancelling the Lions tour at this stage, obviously is bad, but financially that could destroy the South African Rugby Union. Yeah, I don't think it can happen. You know, we, like, like like Mark said, we're too far down the track. They can't they can't can the tour now. The Lions are there. They've landed. Um, they got a game on Saturday. Um, I mean, you you know, it, the gate the tour is going to have to go ahead one way or another. You know, this is this kind of the doomsday scenario that a lot of us perhaps thought may come to pass, and and here we are. Um, you know, I just look at the fixtures now. The game against if any game is going to go. I'd imagine it would be the game against South Africa, eh? Um, you know, we've we've already seen changes to the tour schedule because, you know, South Africa, eh, that's going to be players from all over the country coming together to form a team. I can understand why that is going to be difficult. Um, so I wouldn't be at all surprised if that game on July the 14th uh, falls by the wayside. Um the games against the provincial sides, largely, you know, the players are all going to have been in the same area. You know, if they have to, you know, bubble up or, or whatever, then I think that's manageable. Um, but if any game goes, I think the game against South Africa, A, might be in a bit of trouble. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't see wholesale or, or significant changes come into this tour, you know. These these sorts of conditions were always a distinct possibility. Um, you know, I know the situation is changing regularly, and and I bet I bet it's been an absolute nightmare planning for this tour. But somebody within the planning committee for this tour should have had the foresight to see this sort of situation come in. Um, so I'd be shocked if there weren't plans, you know, ready to go on this. Like you said, Ben, if if it involves. Um, the, the entire tour bar in the first game um, in Johannesburg on Saturday, move into Cape Town, then I think that that may come to pass. I mean, the trouble you've got there, I guess, is, you know, um, training facilities. I assume, you know, South African sides are not going to want to be sharing training facilities because then that becomes very difficult to control in terms of a COVID situation. So, you know, are there enough training facilities I don't know I have absolutely no idea but we're talking about well one two three possibly four site provincial sides coming together in Cape Town um plus the Springboks plus the Lions um you know that's that's a lot of um that's a lot of people and a lot of teams so you know I can't I can't see the tour being scrapped at this stage Ben like you said there's just far too much gone into it the Lions are there for God's sake. You know, it, it's got to go ahead in some guys, um, but it is going to be a, a very, very difficult uh, couple of weeks for, for everyone involved, I guess. Absolutely. And I think we mentioned the alcohol ban, so <laughs> that's that, worth, that, worth mentioning again. That, that, <laughs> is, that is a, yeah. a, a blow. Um, that is a blow. But, you know, um, I suppose there are obviously uh, great uh, issues at, at play here. Um, but you know, honest, you know, if you want to unpack that a little bit, as Mark alluded to, you know, those those midweek boys, yeah. there's no, they got no outlet. You know, they can't they can't come together in the team room and have a beer and you know have a bit of fun. It's, you know, as well, much as we joke about it, that that is a serious element to it. I mean, they they've known largely the bubble situation, haven't they, for a long time? So we've seen Gatlin speak a lot about how the, the players are going to entertain themselves in that system. We saw what Wales did. They had the COVID cafe. Um, I think they organized sort of casino nights and stuff like that. They'll certainly be doing that in the Lions. Um, I know they've had like PlayStation nights, stuff like that, FIFA. This is going to put one hell of a strain on just how much they've organized. Um, 
because it's just going to be almost inescapable. Yeah. I spoke to Dan Bigger last week or week before last um, for an interview. And he's telling me how much he's looking forward to getting out and playing some golf. Um, Because since his little (laughs) boy has come along, he hasn't been able to play too much golf. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do that now. He got 18 holes in Jersey and that's probably about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of the players got out and played a bit of golf in Jersey. Um, You know, I think they were hoping they'd be able to do the same. They were hoping they could go out to restaurants and book out the entire restaurant to make sure they were the only ones in there. You know, beach days, it would seem to me like all that sort of stuff is going to be off the cards now. And I'm, you know, mentally getting yourself right for a game under those circumstances is going to be very tough. It is, it is. And you, you, you've got a situation as well. I mean, in a way, we're fortunate within the professional age because um, players have, have travelled a bit more in the professional age. But I was reading a book the other day on the 71 Lions tour and guy you interviewed, uh, Ben Chico Hopkins, uh, it was saying that Chico uh, and John Bear in the wing uh, played really well on the tour, but they, they did sort of uh, become a little bit homesick. Um, and my guess is, you know, sort of uh, being cooped up in a hotel, seeing the same faces uh, for five or six weeks is, is going to make it really, really challenging. You're going to need guys, you know, real energizers like John Bentley, perhaps on the 97 tour. You're going to re- need these guys really to come to the fore and sort of um, yeah. and just try to make it an enjoyable experience. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, potentially, for some players. It is. I know we, we're sort of we're drawing out the, the realities of it, but it is also a chance to make history as well for these players and um if um, you know, if they could just put up with it for for a month and oh, five weeks and and do their best to enjoy it, and then hopefully it'll work. Absolutely. Um, and of course, we've mentioned them uh, at the start of the podcast. But two players who won't be on the plane. Well, the plane that's already landed in Johannesburg this morning. Um, Alan Wynne Jones and Justin Tipperick. I mean, we got the Alan Wynne Jones news pretty soon after full-time Gatland announced it in the press conference looking a little bit shocked as, as you'd expect he hadn't really processed it yet um, obviously that's a massive massive blow for the Lions we'll get onto that but the Tipperick one was a, a bit more of a surprise because when he left things it seemed they, they seemed confident that it was just a stinger and then come what was it 20 to 10 on Saturday night we get a press release come through that says that Josh Navidi's been called up as well as Adam Beard so Two two massive blows before the plane's even taken off the tarmac there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Go, go I, on, Mark. Yeah, I, I just think uh, I just think that they're two of Wills' greatest ever players, and I'm not speaking in hyperbole there. You know, Ali wins record and his caps basically say it all. And, and Justin Tipperick has has been around for the best part of the decade on the international scene competing with uh, another great, uh, and I use the word advisedly, great open side forward in Sam Warburton. And so for the Lions, it's it's just, uh, they're, they're just savage blows. Tipperick is operating at the peak of his powers, yeah. showing no sign of waning really uh, at the age of 31. And uh, yeah, you know, key line out forward. I think he would have challenged uh, Tom Curry for that uh, number seven shirt in the tests. And um, I don't think you can overstate how big a blow the loss of Tipperick is, let alone Alan Wynn with his leadership and his vast experience and everything else that Alan Wynn brings. Um, So, yeah, monumental blows for the Lions. I was thinking about this on Sunday. It, it it changes the entire complexity of the tour um, from a Lions point of view. You know, Alan Wynn was for the best part of the last two or three years was nailed on as Lions captain. I know it, you know, went in swings and roundabouts a little bit, but you know, by the end of the Six Nations, we all knew Alan Wynn was definitely yeah. going to be Lions captain. You know, personally, Alan Wynn has probably built the last two years around this tour. Um, you know, it, it, I don't think it's a stretch to say that everything since the World Cup has been geared towards this trip. 
Um, so on a personal level, it's going to be a really difficult pill to swallow for him. Um, but from a Lions point of view, you know, you've gone from, you know, having this talismanic, you know, was it three, it would have been his third tour? Third tour. Third tour, you know. Nine consecutive test most, caps. Most capped international of all time, you know, generally respected by everybody he comes across in the game. You know, that's a real safety blanket to have as a captain. Um, and, I, and it's not a slight on Conor Murray at all, but, you know, Conor Murray is somebody who hasn't, if, you know, what I've read online is to be believed, never captained a professional side before. I'm not, no, I'm not having a dig, but what I'm saying there is, you know, you've gone, f- that is why the tour now looks completely different from a Lions point of view, because I don't think anyone, you know, when we were talking about, possible candidates to could be Lions captain. I think many people were looking past Owen Farrell and Ken Owens, to be honest. Um, so it's interesting that those two have been overlooked. Um, and in Tipperick, I think the issue now is when you start to look at the back row and the balance of the back row, all right, Josh Navidi's being called up, who's a very good player, um, very different kind of player to Justin Tipperick. Suddenly, I think you lose, you've lost a lot of creativity in that back row. You've lost the spark. Um, all of a sudden it begins to look like your only option is to fight fire with fire against South Africa. Um, I know Tyburn is, you know, a bit of a jack of all trades and a really tricky customer. And, you know, there's a lot to like about what he does in the open spaces. Although on Saturday, I think he tried to overplay a little bit, but had a good game. Um, you know, I think, but I think if you go with a back row, I think Falatel has to start now. Yeah, I, I, but I think he needs to find some form big time. Um, I know he came on out the position on Saturday, but he didn't look himself. You know, I just don't. I don't think you can have a back row that includes, let's just say, well, any of the flanker options really, and Jack Conan at number eight, because I just think you you have absolutely no subtlety to your game then. Um, so I think it, from a back row point of view. I think it's changed things a hell of a lot for Gatlin now because suddenly there's no, like I said, there's no spark in that back row, no no creativity. It's very much, you know, roll up your sleeves. They're all very hard and physical men who will, you know, relish the physical battle against South Africa. But, you know, we hear Gatlin talking about wanting players to be able to, like, use their footwork to get around South African defenders rather than running straight through them. You know, I think the only people you look at to do that now in that back row would be Sam Simmons and Falatau. So, you know, I think it's going to harm Jack Conan's chances. I really do. He had a really good game. Who had a good, yeah, he had a really good game really, on, on really Saturday. Good Very impressed. It, you know. If you if you were picking the the team uh, on the basis of Saturday and exclusively on the basis of Saturday, which of course it won't be the case, then Conan would be in the side because he he was outstanding. But yeah. um, I think he came up with 18 carries, three or four turnovers, uh, 40 or 50 metres made. And he was really good. And Tolupe was um, was strangely off the pace, even though he, he did defend well. He um, he, ju- he just didn't look at it. And it was, it was unusual because his default setting usually is, well, it's excellence, isn't it, Falato? Mm. I fully expect him, to be honest, like you, Matt, to come back into the picture and, and sort of fix the situation. And, and by the time of the tests, uh, I have no doubt that he, he'll be Gatlin's number one. Yeah, go- going back to Alan Wynn and, and, and Justin, on a more personal level, it seems sort of daft to say that this was their moment, given that they've got five combined tours between them. Was it 10 Lions caps between them? Possibly 12 if they cap the Japan match, which they probably will. You know, all this experience on Lions tours. And yeah, for both of them, this looked like it was going to be the defining tour. Obviously, Tip Rick was finally out of Warburton shadow. He's only got 25 minutes of test action. You felt like this was going to be the tour where he sort of really marked... You know, marked himself out for the Lions and Alan Wynn Jones, even though he's been on three before, play, you know, beaten all of the three nations in test matches. This was his tour as captain. This was, you know, the one where he was leading them into battle. And and, and it's both been taken away from them. It's in that sense, it, it is a, a real shame, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit it's a pill to swallow. Like you said, you know, Alan Wynn's been on three tours. Um, you know, but this was this was his first as as captain of the tour. You know, you could see the disappointment etched across his face when he came off. You know, you never see Alan win like that. 
Um, so you, you know this is going to hurt. Um, I know it's stating the obvious, but as I alluded to before, you know, everything over the last two years will have been geared towards this tour. Uh, and, you know, the Ospreys have managed him, the WRU have managed him. Everyone has had the sole purpose of getting him through to this tour whilst operating at a, you know, a good level when he does play. Um, so for for things to en- end up like this is tough. You know, at the age of 35, I think, you know, I think our, you know, if he was being realistic, that this was probably his last tour as a lion. Um, so I think that's going to hurt, and that realization when that sets in is going to be a, a difficult one. Um, and and you know, Tipperick's thirty-one, so he's going to be thirty-five by the time the next tour comes around. That's going to be pushing it, I think. Um, you know, in this day and age, you, you know, with the way the game is now, I know Alan wins thirty-five, and he would have gone on this tour, but. You know, he's different breed, isn't he? Um, so, you know, I think that the realisation that, that that was their last time in a Lions jersey, in all probability, it is going to be a really a really difficult one for them to take personally. And then I suppose, that, you know, a quick word on on the two Welshmen who've been called up to replace them. We mentioned Navidi. Um, he can count himself very unlucky to have missed out on the original squad. And I think he's someone who will certainly push for a test spot. And I think he's going to be sort of like Martin Corey, 2001, who, who could really come through. Adam Beard, on on the other hand, I think has upset quite a few uh, across the Irish Sea um, for getting ahead of a, 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 an apparently injured <laughs> James Ryan now into the squad. Um, he'll care little for that, won't he? Well, I mean, we, we don't, know for definite whether James Ryan is injured. Uh, yeah, there are reports that he picked up a strain in training last week. Um, I just think Adam is is a good Adam Beard is a good player. He's um his his more defense is outstanding. His um his sort of his tackling is 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 excellent and uh, he's got a big work ethic. He he sort of he's been running Wales' line out he turned around the Welsh lineup really um, in the Six Nations, and they, and they really missed him during the uh, autumn series. And I think he's a good player. Gatland trusts him. He's delivered for Gatland before. He's played in two Six Nations title winning sides, one of which ended in a Grand Slam. And um, I think he's a really good player. And um, I think he, he's six foot eight, which which is which is. Which is pretty important to be to have that height really head into a place like South Africa, so I I think he'll uh, he'll more than sort of um, yeah pay his way. I, I I think he'd be a good tourist, and uh, I I think he'll prove a success. And uh, I think yeah, I mean sort of suggestions of uh, I don't know bias. I think a, a, a wider the mark. Warren Gatler wants to win this series more than anyone who's who's sort of bitching a little bit on social media. I mean at, at the end of the day, <laughs> this is Gatlin's this is Gatlin's job, it's his life. Yeah. It's his chance to make a little bit of history as well. He wants to pick the best players available to him. He's 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 not picking beard because he's Welsh. He he is picking him because he rates him as a player and uh, he was impressed with him, uh, and he's comfortable with him um, during his time as Wales coach. And I think that uh, I think it'll work for Beard. I, I think he'll prove a good tourist, and he'll, he'll surprise few people as well. I mean, you could easily make the argument that James Ryan, if this was 2018, James Ryan's a Test Lion, but it's not 2018, and he hasn't really played up to that level since. And you know. I think he's still living off of that sort of hype that was built around him three years ago. Uh, and second point is, if you're looking at what you need to counter the South Africans, I don't think James Ryan brings the physicality. While Adam Beard's more work at the you know in defensive malls could could well be crucial. Well, yeah, I mean, you you saw the game against La Rochelle, the Leinster's game against La Rochelle, and. Um, Leinster bullied in that match, yeah. if memory serves correctly. And um, a lot of players, a few of their players went missing in action. Um, Ryan is a really, really good player. I mean, 
I, I I saw him destroy the Dragons lineout. I think it was either at the outset of this season or last season. But I mean, the Springboks are going to offer a bit more than the Dragons. So uh, <laughs> that's a statement of the bleeding obvious. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, you know, as I say, we we. Maybe there's something in it. Maybe he has had some kind of strain in, in training. Um, but I think physicality is is key for Gatland and particularly heading to a place like South Africa. And so, um, uh, yeah, and of course there's Johnny Gray to consider as well, um, who puts in a lot of tackles. And if you were yeah. judging, if you were judging Gray on his effort against England uh, at the start of the Six Nations, then, then he would be in that side. But uh, he tended to fade a little bit, I fancy, after that. Um, so, yeah, that's, um, yeah, good luck to Beard. And I think he'll, uh, I think he'll be a success out there. Yeah, I, I think he got a little bit unpleasant on Saturday night. I got to be honest. Some of the comments that were coming across the Irish Sea were were a little bit out of order. Um, you know, they're talking about yeah. Adam Beard like he plays in Division Nineteen West Sea. No, this is a guy who you know. I, I was surprised that James Ryan wasn't in the squad from the start. Right, I'll get my cards on the table out there for that. But you know, as you touched on, people were talking about his form in like twenty eighteen and stuff. Oh, that's three years ago. Since then, Adam Beard has won two Six Nations. He played pretty much every game of Wales's 14-match winning run, which was historic, by the way, um, across 2018-2019. And, um, you know, give you an idea of how much Gatland rates him, Beard is a guy who had to have emergency surgery on his appendix as the Welsh rugby team were boarding their flight to Japan in 2019. Gatland still kept him in the squad, flew him back out to Japan after his appendix surgery, carried him for over a month at the World Cup when he was, wasn't able to play, and he played the final three games of that tournament. So that tells you how much Gatland rates him, that he was willing to carry him, you know, be a lockdown for the first month of that tournament, games against Georgia, Australia, um, and Fiji, just because he wanted him there for the for the knockout stages of the tournament. So... You know, this is clearly a guy who Gatland rates in a big way. Um, and when you know, when you hear about James Ryan had a bit of a strain, you know, it, it starts to make a bit more sense. You know, I, I just think people who were who were going over the top about Beard on Saturday night just haven't been paying enough attention to what he's done for Wales in the last yeah. two years, and particularly under Gatland in the final years of Gatland's reign. Well, even under Pivac, and again, this doesn't get mentioned in the hastily deleted. Uh, opinion articles over in Ireland. Um, James Ryan in the Ireland squad this this year it wasn't necessarily starting every game because of Henderson and Byrne and, and, and he wasn't pulling up any trees for Ireland. Adam Beard was dropped by Pivak, given work-ons, missed the autumn where the line-out went horribly wrong. He, he worked on his game, he came back into the setup, and helped fix a lot of the problems as Wales went on to win a Six Nations. Like that's to me, it's it's better that a player leaves the international setup, comes back with work ons, than arguably stagnates a little bit like James Ryan does, simply because he's still in and around the squad, largely on reputation rather than performance necessarily. James Ryan had a few injuries as well, didn't he? During the Six Nations, yeah. I think he he picked up a concussion or two. And uh, you're right about Beard. He went back to the Ospreys. And they were missing Alan Wynn, uh Jones because he was with Wales. I think Bradley Davis might have been out as well. And uh and Beard basically pulled the side together and uh and they they embarked on a, a, a sort of mini winning run, if you like, with uh, with Beard to the fore. He he was uh, acting as pack leader and he, he he was really, really good for the Ospreys and and he deserved his uh his his call back into the Wales setup. For the Six Nations, um, so I haven't really, I, I, I didn't really read uh, many of those Bob's Matt, to be honest, on social media. But um, uh, I, you know, my guess is that that Adam will want to prove them wrong, and um, yeah, you know, I think he's good enough to do so. Absolutely right. Um... We've talked enough about one international sporting event that's mired by COVID-related uh, chaos. There's another one coming up later in the year uh, in Tokyo. That's the Olympics, delayed from last year. 
Jasmine Joyce is the only Welsh player to have made the sevens team in either men or the women's game. And Katie Sands has been speaking to her. I'm Sam Warburton and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Hi, Jazz. Congratulations. How are you Hi, thank you. <laughs> yeah, like buzzing. Um, how, how did you find out and, and when did you find out? We found out via email. So that was players' choice. So coaches gave us, um, as players, the, the decision to whether we wanted it email, face-to-face and kind of what day. Um, so, yeah, we pretty much all chose email and we got that at 7pm. So waiting all day for it. <laughs> was that 7pm last night, was it? No, 7pm um, last Tuesday. So Tuesday the 8th, I think it was. Yeah. So we've known for a little bit. Oh, okay. So what was the wait like on that day? What did you do to keep yourself occupied? God, yeah. We Well, we'd got back from Dublin on the Monday. Um, and then the Tuesday we had um, like breakfast in the morning. Then we had like medical reviews. Then we had gym. And then me and the other Welsh girl had like a four hour um, journey back. So that was happy days. That wasn't too bad. It wasn't too much of a wait, but it was still, yeah, I was on pins. Yeah. <laughs> Was it nerve-wracking or you, or do you not really get nervous? Oh, yeah, I was really nervous. Um, I think no matter how well you think you've been training or playing, I think there's always that element of you don't actually know if your name's going to be on it. And the competition here has been insane. So you just, yeah, didn't know which way it was gone. So it was more of a relief rather than a joy when I, when I see my name. <laughs> Is this, you know, you were you more nervous for this one compared to your last Olympics? You know, because you know, you know what, what, you know what, what you can be going to. Or, or do you think that's fair? Or yeah, I think um, it was. I'm, I'm in a completely different um, kind of situation and mindset now. Like four years ago, I was kind of just a new girl, like just kind of a wild card type thing. We just go and kind of just enjoyed every moment type thing. And I'm going to enjoy every moment of this now, but I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on um, me as an individual and potentially to to go out there and perform. People kind of know who I am as, I don't know how that sounds, but now, so um, yeah, but I'm like, like so looking forward to it. It's it's going to be an amazing experience again. I was going to bring that up really because, you know, four years ago now, um, you know, not that, not that I'm saying you were quite an unknown, but, you know, you definitely were, you know, the, the youngster, second second youngest player in that squad. You know, you were quite, um, you know, first Olympics, whereas now, like, as you say, lots more people know who you are now. They know how, how fast you are and, and um, yeah, how, uh, yeah, how just how much pace you've got really. Yeah, so yeah, there's obviously only three of us who are in the squad now who went to the last one. So that that in itself, I think, puts pressure on us as individuals to, to kind of lead that and, and be the players that have had the experience before. Um, so yeah, it's just in such an exciting time ahead. And what, I mean, I appreciate it's not probably the most comfortable question, but what qualities do you think you've you've got then that, that have um, secured your, your selection? Pace, obviously, looking for space and, and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know, because I think pace, everyone's got pace. Like the other winger, like potentially that I was going up against was she's absolutely rapid. So there's definitely pace would not have been the the thing that got me selected but um yeah just may, maybe experience and enjoying it um yeah I don't know what how to how to answer that question almost but um yeah just yeah enjoying it <laughs> good 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 and you said before you know everything you do is to kind of aim for for the Olympics just just how much do you of you really enjoyed the last one and um, but how how much how big is it then being able to go oh yeah it's massive and to be selected it yeah like I said it's it's a relief but it's also I've trained for the last well five years for this now like everything I've done has been for this moment so to finally kind of have my name on, on the team sheet and to be going to my second Olympics is just yeah just a, a second dream come true as, as such and um, I can now finally yeah it's almost worthwhile everything that I've done over the last five years like what I've eaten what I've drinking what I've trained not seen my family it's all come down to this this moment and yeah it's it's all worth it what's your your first memory of the Olympics then and did you did you always think I want to go to the Olympics before necessarily knowing what sport that would be with yeah definitely I think as a sport can you hear that um hoover no okay cool um yeah, um, as a sports person, your Olympics is is almost always a, the pinnacle of your sport. And uh, rugby sevens was never a, 
an, an option because it was obviously it was the first time it was in the Olympics last year. So, um, yeah, I thought I could be a sprinter maybe. Like I always used to watch like Kelly Holmes, Jessica Ennis was the new up and coming kind of thing when I was watching it as well. So um, watching her was like, oh, maybe I could be like a heptathlete type thing. Um, and then as soon as Rugby Sevens was in the, in the Olympics, it was kind of like, yeah, like Rugby Sevens is, is what I'm going to go to the Olympics for. <laughs> yeah. So when, um, you know, did, when you were kind of watching the Olympics, when, you know, when you were younger, thinking, oh, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. Were you already interested in rugby at that point? Yeah, so I've, I've played since I was seven. So it's, oh, I've, I've played rugby since I was since I was small. So, yeah, definitely. And I guess I always thought Olympics as like an individual sport type thing. When I was younger, like you just go like high jump, uh, diving, swimming. You're kind of an individual athlete type thing and not knowing really that there is there's football in it there's now there's now rugby so I guess it was never a um an ambition to com- compete in the Olympics as a rugby player because it was never it was never an option and is it right you've got um the Olympic rings tattoo is that right yeah yeah where's that on your wrist or it's on my ankle ah right when did you get that one then um, so me and um, Abby Brown so the other young, younger player and, and who's fortunate enough to be going to the next one as well um, we went yeah we went to Cardiff to get it it was I'd say maybe like three months after um yeah we both went to get the rings so yeah you I think you have to get them (laughs) (laughs) um nice little reminder then yeah um and how obviously this this Olympics is going to be so different you know with with kind of coronavirus and everything but um targeting gold absolutely yeah going there for gold no other no other medal no other thing Brilliant. How do you feel? And, you know, obviously, you know, you kind of wanted to kind of, obviously, you know, lots of people know, you know, your your skills and, and have seen you play now, um, you know, compared to kind of four or five years ago, I suppose, when, you know, when people were kind of discovering you. But um, I did read in Shane Williams's the rugby paper column before the Six Nations, um, he was talking about the women's Six Nations. And then he mentioned yourself and he said, is there a better wing than Jasmine Joyce in the UK? How do you feel about that? Did you know about that before? That's cool. Um, now that you've said it, that rings a bell. I think one of, yeah, someone sent someone sent it to me. Um, I mean, yeah, that's pretty insane. Like, considering I've grown up watching Shane Williams as a winger, like, he's always been a very small winger, like, and so am I. And I, I know he's been told that you're too small to play rugby, you're never going to make it type thing. And I, I've experienced that as well. So to almost get your rugby idol type person to say that about you is, yeah, it can't, can't for wish for much more, I guess. And who, you know, did you get that often when when you were playing rugby? You know, whether it's kind of as you were going up through the age groups and things like that. Who who was saying, um, oh, you might be a bit small for rugby? Actually, just so many people. I definitely had coaches. Not my first two coaches. They were they were awesome. They just kind of backed me and let me play. But um, kind of growing up, yeah you're too small coaches used to say it um even like rug like players used to be like you're too small and I kind of used to like take it be like yeah do you know what? I, pro- I probably am but the more more I played and the more I get used to it it's yeah it doesn't matter shape size you're you're all good <laughs> brilliant um and what's your family's reaction and everything and um, Alicia as well yeah like they're buzzing um we actually went out for me and Alicia actually went out for food as the email was coming out and she wanted to read it and like not not show me and then like go like one by one type thing so I couldn't see my name show I was like that is absolutely not happening <laughs> so I we just seen the email and it was just like um congratulations type thing so you knew before you actually seen the squad list that you were in um like obviously she's like super proud like the support she's given me like literally like looking after my dog like is literally like a child so and like yeah she just loves me being up here um and the positivity she brings to me is great and obviously yeah you can imagine what what parents are like for me me ringing them telling telling them that I was going yeah they were buzzing um my dad crying as standard my mother was probably crying as well then so <laughs> yeah they, they they love it they would have loved to come out as well but obviously with with um corona and stuff like that they they haven't had the opportunity to yeah are you um is the dog the the biggest thing you're gonna miss then when you're in um <laughs> I keep I keep texting Lisa being like oh send me a picture of the dog she's like I'm here too. I'm like, oh no. But yeah, like I do, obviously I miss them both in it, but like the dog is, is, I wish I could bring the dog here to be fair, but yeah, I will, I will miss the dog. It's just always nice to have someone there 
<laughs> constantly yeah. there, annoying you. <laughs> um, and what, how do you feel then, you know, kind of being, you know, are you happy to kind of be representing Wales out, out there as well? Yeah, definitely. Like it's it's always a pleasure to represent Team GB, um, and to be the only Welsh contingent in that is, yeah, obviously fantastic, and 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 flying the flag for them, um, which yeah, just just an amazing experience to 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 be part of it. And um, I think you've said before, you know, when you tell people you're a rugby player, they're, they're a little bit surprised, I suppose. But um, how? I suppose I was speaking to Alan Snowsill yesterday, you know, and she was saying, you know, rug- rugby depends on having lots of different people in, you know, different shapes, different sizes, different skills to, to succeed. Um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that, really. So, what was the question? Sorry. Um, <laughs> is what... it right that when you tell, when you, you know, when you say you're a rugby player to so people who, who maybe oh, don't yeah. want rugby, they're, they're a bit surprised? Yeah, definitely. Like, so many people are like, they're like, what do you do in your spare time? Or like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I play rugby. And they're like, really shocked. Like, oh, you don't look like a rugby player. Like, you're too pretty to be a rugby player. You're too small type thing like that. So I think that obviously comes from people who maybe don't watch and follow women's rugby um, often or, or don't watch it at all, maybe. Um, but yeah, there literally is all shapes, all sizes, all different skill sets to, to be able to play rugby. Like there is 15 of us on the field in the 15s and then there's obviously seven of us on the pitch in the sevens. You can't have all of the same person. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to work. So yeah, rugby is literally for, for everyone. Brilliant. And what... Um... What are you most looking forward to about this this kind of um, this experience? Then is it the, you know the chance to get gold, chance to medal, or just kind of taking on a bit of a different role maybe than than you did in the last Olympics? Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head. There maybe taking a different role. I think five years ago I was almost yeah just like a wild card type thing. I, I was very lucky to be there, <laughs> coach. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go again on that one. Um, yeah, like yeah, that like yeah, like you said, you nailed it on the head with that one. Um, I potentially am taking a different role um, this time to four years around. Um, four years ago, um, like I said, four years ago I was just yeah like a wild card type thing. I, I was really lucky to be there. I think it must have been a really tight call between um, me and potentially a different player. Um, whereas this time around, I think um, I'm I'm hoping to be to be starting to. I, I told the coach as well that I want to win gold and make the dream team. So that's kind of my goal this time. I think four or five years ago that it was just to like get get some minutes type thing so yeah I'm just looking forward to the whole part of it and the the group group of girls we've got at the moment are literally fantastic like we have such a such a good time like training not training it's just such a good environment to be in and and that's what makes it so much fun to be here um so definitely doing it with with the group of girls I'm I'm with now is is going to be yeah hell of an experience do you ever get nervous I mean um you know, there's some players, I think I was speaking to Anna yesterday, there's some players who are like quite highly strung before games and then there are others, I think she named you actually, you were just bouncing to get on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I, I do get nervous. I do get really nervous. Um, But I'm, I think I show my nerves by being excited, buzzing type thing. Like I do get more nervous for sevens games than fifteens um, because I think I have more of an impact in a sevens game than fifteens. Um, So yeah, I do get nervous and, and try to, I think, contain that by my excitement. <laughs> um, obviously, you are very fast, but do you think you're that fast? Um, in sevens, it's hard because everyone's fast. So, like, we're all so fast. So, you think, like, I'm against a person just as fast as me, if not faster. So, um, I, I think I do understand that I'm fast. Um, but, like, especially in sevens, there's fast is everyone's fast (laughs) there's no option to get away from that (laughs) (laughs) um that was pretty much everything i wanted to ask you really is there anything else you you'd like to you know say or talk about or mention or um no No, i pretty much yeah go on liz um just just quickly in terms of like obviously you you know you can't have your parents out there so in terms of the support from wales how much that will be important and also in terms of the support you've had like from various coaches throughout your career you said the first two coaches were really supportive but also i mean like in 20 you you were obviously nominated 
in 2016 by 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 Welsh coaches. Richie Pugh was was a coach then, and obviously you must have had support recently as well to to be on the program. So just a, a word on on all that really, on that support you've had. Yeah, the support has been fantastic, and it, it comes from everyone. It comes from family. It comes from like just rugby players in Wales it comes from coaches like you said um there is support everywhere and I think from being the only Welsh contingent in the squad you just kind of get it all so um yeah like you said Richie Pugh was four years ago was like he literally was fantastic up there and um Warren at the moment he's great like always texting how it's going and, and everything like that so obviously your parents and, and Alicia are fantastic anyway they they support you all the way through but I think what's going to get us through kind of out there having not having Team GB supporters, not Wales supporters out there is what we see on social media type things and, and how they relate that support through us. And I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic because it is going to be sad and quite gutting that we're not going to have um, our friends and families out there, but completely understand why, why that can't happen. So there you go. That's Jasmine Joyce. Um, so that we've mentioned tours. The the other tour that's going on this summer isn't a tour per se. It's Wales playing three games in Cardiff against Canada and two against Argentina. Um, naturally, because of the knock-on effect of the Lions replacements, Wayne Pivax had to call up replacements of his own this morning. And fair to say there's uh, at least one omission which isn't going to please everyone uh, on social media, is there, Matt? Yeah, Um <laughs> You know, obviously my eyes were, were drawn to, you know, Reese Davis replacing Josh Navidi. And again, you know, it's not a slight on Reese Davis. Whenever I've covered the Ospreys this year, he's been really good. Um, but I was surprised not to see Jack Morgan involved. Um, you know, I was very surprised that he wasn't involved anyway. Um, you know, but for this to have passed him by uh, came as a bit of a shock to me. Um, the only The only thing I can think... I mean, Pivak is doing here is that, you know, Alan Wynn is now injured and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Uh, hopefully, you know, if he's dislocated his shoulder, it's probably four to six months, I would have thought. But, um, you know, he's lost Corey Hill all of a sudden and Jake Ball has obviously gone back to Australia. Now, at, at least Ball and Hill would have probably been penciled in as being involved in the next World Cup. Alan Wynn at the push as well. Yeah. Um, so now, obviously, there's, there has to be a certain amount of, you know, we need to really have a look at what second rows we've got at our disposal, um, and just start trying to, you know, bring a few through. You know, obviously, Adam Beard would be a front runner for those spots. You know, Will Rowlands is another one who, who's probably slightly ahead of, of the rest. But you know, they, they obviously want to cast the net and have a look. Now, that's the only reason I can think of that that Davis got the call to replace. Um, Josh Navidi, obviously, um, Seb Davis replacing um, Adam Beard. Yep. Um, but I think it's a little bit excessive. I mean, you look at the squad now, they've got six second row options for three games. I just think that's probably a bit too far the other way. And I, you know, I think after the season that Jack Morgan had, I think he can feel very disappointed not to have been called up, not only the first time round, but, but now after this as well. Because I think even if you look at it with sort of the argument you made there in the sense that Navidi probably would have played six this summer and, you know, Jack Morgan's played open side most of it. Maybe this just further pushes Matthew Screech to six rather than second row. But even with all those sort of arguments, you'd have still expected Jack Morgan, you know, given the breakthrough season he's had to, to get the caller. Yeah,
Yep. Absolutely. There's, there is a couple of other um, replacements. Lloyd Williams has been called up into the squad, hasn't he? Because Roger Williams, is it a shoulder injury? With yeah, Roger? it's been being monitored, yeah. Yeah. And then obviously in the front row, Samson Lee uh, replacing Thomas Francis. Mm. Pleased for Samson Lee. Um, you know, I thought he was, was doing very well when he came back into the fold in the autumn. You know, I know the autumn campaign was a bit of a... Uh, tough one all around, but you know, I was pleased to see him come back because I think he has really developed his game in the loose. Um, you know, he was a bit of a one-trick pony before. Um, you know, good scrummager and and perhaps offering little else around the field. Um, but I, I think you know, over over the last eighteen months, probably since since the World Cup, um, since that sort of omission, uh, he's he's obviously worked hard on his game and become a far more dynamic ball carrier, um, which obviously everyone's looking for in this day and age you know you can't just be you know a one trick pony at whatever position you play um so i think he's worked hard on his game and it's, you know he, he just keeps being unfortunate with injuries you know you do worry about his durability probably the prime reason why he never went to japan um you know, in the world cup so there are concerns over whether he can hold it together for a campaign but you know, I, I think he's been playing well and I think he deserves a shot. Um, so, you know, I'm pleased to see him come back into the fray. Obviously, unfortunate, though, for, though it may be for, for Thomas Francis to miss out with that back injury. Absolutely. It'd be interesting to see how Wales go in these uh, three summer tests, sort of the, the players they got there in, in Pivac squad. It's going to be an interesting summer for sure. Um and obviously we'll be covering all that in the next podcast as well as hopefully in South Africa with the Lions. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, but for all the latest news, you can catch it all on Wales Online.